Hello and welcome to the 90 Minute Cynic Podcast. I'm your host Chris Gallagher and I'm joined by, um, to my right, it's Captain UFC, um, actually looking like a UFC fighter. Um, Thanks man. It's Louis McCaffrey. Yep, that's me. How are you? You had a spray tan just before we started recording. How you? This is my natural <laughs> skin tone. We've started, uh, you've shaved your head, you <coughs> look like you're ready to batter uh, Conor McGregor. I'm quite happy to kick fuck at you if you want. Well, you can fucking try me, man. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's a joke, but... Now, I mean, I'm from the tough streets of Queen's Park, um, and oh. I'll heavy do you. Christian Wolf. I'm from the tough streets of Erkan, uh, North East, in Oslo. <coughs> Is that the most, most densely populated area in Norway. So. There's 15 people on that street. And a moose. That other voice you're hearing is Alex Lawrence. E- How are you, Alex? I'm fine, I guess. Slightly ill, but hey. Oh. I've got a cold too. That's the sort of my cough is getting a lot better. Thanks That's for all the positive comments. Yeah, from last week. a lot of people was worried after listening to the last pod. Get that prick off with a cough. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, someone did tweet that I, I've watched your show for the first. Listened to your show for the first time. It was great, but that guy with the cough. <laughs> Terrific. The cough uh, podcast. The cough podcast. Listen, how if you've got any issues about your coughs or ailments, just tweet us at. 90, off to a bad start, definitely, this time, I'll be honest. Uh, we've got some cakes, they aren't vegan, but... They're halal. They're halal. Louis, what did you say, it lacked an icing? Yeah, it's just dry sponge, man, there's, there's nothing else to it. It's nothing. quite dry in my mouth. Not happy with it, no. No. You're welcome. I'd like a bit of icing. Good. Uh, let's next sh- time, icing. Um, you know, next time, ice time, is what um, no one's ever said before. You think the Norwegian would have loads of icing? No, you, that, no one th- has ever thought that about Norwegian, to be honest. That's not the thing that comes to mind when you think of so Norwegian. Oh, okay, yeah, icing. Fucking hell, see when you need to explain it. I anyway. know. I think I'm the edit in this situation. <coughs> um, start. So Rangers and all that? No, we don't talk oh, about Oh, sorry. sorry. We're not those guys. Uh, just going to open up with some news. Um, so... Today, it was announced eight hours ago that the SPFL has set up a new overseas TV deal with Qatar-based BN Sports. The SPL has announced a new broadcast tie-in with BN Sports covering Australia, New Zealand and 24 countries in the Middle East and North Africa. They have no idea what they've let themselves <laughs> in for. If they, you know, Jesus. Um, the arrangement has been brokered by Switzerland-based marketing agency Infront. The move follows a broadcast deal with MP Silva, MP and Silva being terminated five years into its ten-year term. Would you ever? Should you be really signing a ten-year TV contract? No, you shouldn't be signing a ten-year anything. Yeah, um, maybe a mortgage, but even then, you know, yeah, it's easy to get out. Of. Yeah, see all these um, <coughs> countries. Are they, <laughs> that, Louis? Please, are they, they are real. They are real. Please be sensitive. <laughs> no, but are they like are they, are they into watching like Lee Griffiths and that? When your country's and how been, co- how, uh, yeah. I mean, we're all right. I mean, everybody around this table, I'm assuming, um, can access dodgy illegal streams. But I've never accessed anything dodgy <laughs> in my life, especially <laughs> a, a legal stream. Come on. So I mean, we will be able to see it. But a uh, couple of, I'm going to run off some places. Um, you'll now be able to watch uh, Motherwell in Somalia and Syria. And Jesus, Syria, I've had enough. I don't know. I think they need any more. It's going to solve a lot of issues down there. I think. Yeah, geopolitically, yeah, I mean, a good move. Algeria, Chad, of course. I even I've never even heard of it. Saudi Chad? Arabia, nah. uh, South good. Sudan, Sudan, good Palestine, Qatar, uh, Lebanon. I Jordan. know somebody from Sudan. Do you? Yeah, he's very nice. They'll be rubbing their hands over on Saudi Arabia. They will. They bloody they bloody love an SPFL <laughs> game in Saudi Arabia. Um, Does this mean that uh, Richard Keys and Andy Gray is going to be commenting on? Uh, oh shit! That's a point actually. Because uh, that would be. 
great. Yeah, yeah, Richard Keyes covered himself in glory this this week when he right, basically said that Roy Keane wasn't that good a footballer. <laughs> I don't know if anyone saw that quit, that um, tweet. Um, that's pe- probably the... That, that's not the worst thing he said. <laughs> that's pretty tame. Yeah, <laughs> well, we're not going through his whole history of... Uh, Let's just say he's in the right country. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, so that's obviously uh, good news. Also, we have the kind of other kind of breaking news over the last couple of hours. Uh, so they're talking about the Celtic Hearts League Cup semi being moved to Mur- Murrayfield in a shake-up. This is just an absolute joke. Um, I'm, I'm raging. Because you were going to go, weren't you? Because I had 10 minutes on the train in a non-busy way, and I would have been there. And the non... No. No. Well, there's a busy way if you go from Man, Florida to town. I'm going the other way, out to the suburbs. So, Not anymore, friend. Not no, anymore. not anymore. Nope. Um, it has just been handled very badly, hasn't it, Louis? Oh, it's been a nightmare, isn't it? It's been terrible. <laughs> this is the insight that <laughs> people <laughs> are switching off for, to be honest. Yeah. No, no it's... Um, it's <clears throat> it's an absolute mess, but I mean, none of us are really surprised. I probably would have had more respect for them if they just dug their heels in and went, "No, that's our decision." Yeah, but the fact that they've now went, "Oh no, okay, <laughs> we have actually messed this up." They just look so weak and pathetic. Yeah, um, yeah. After the draw, we spoke to Hamden Park Limited to ask whether they would release us from a contractual obligation to host all semi-finals involving the old term at Hamden. They declined our request and we were unwilling to breach this contract and risk legal action. However, I'm pleased to report that we have been contacted this morning by SFA Chief Ian Maxwell, who said that Hamden Park Limited has now reconsidered that position and agreed to waive that legal obligation. That doesn't sound like that's a thing. That's <laughs> and they never. I mean, they never even consulted half of the agencies that they should have. Yeah, they didn't consult police. Even Scotland public transport wasn't they? like Scotrail wasn't even like in the conversation. And you would think to, you know, the amount of travel and the amount of spectators that are going to be in one stadium in one day over two games. You think they would maybe try and sort about the infrastructure. That's just about not it. the way it's done. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, this. Idiots. <laughs> Idiots indeed. Um, now to the actual football. Um, we don't deal in rumour or innuendo. We just deal in stats and facts. Because we are not... I'll give you two facts. You can choose the one you believe. Yeah, that's... <laughs> that's yeah, we're, 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 that's the podcast we are. Um, Celtic played Aberdeen at the weekend. Um, I'm going to go straight to Alex Lawrence. Because Alex Lawrence has interesting thoughts on Derek McInnes. Uh, what did you think of the game overall? Celtic won one nil with a heavy silky back heel for Scott Sinclair. Uh, what did you make of it, Alex? I thought it was a. It's what we've come to expect from the as a standard Celtic against Aberdeen game. It's it's Aberdeen. Let's say sitting in. We're not quite. I wouldn't say maybe not exactly sitting in, but they're going man for man. They're trying to um, try to beat out-muscle Celtic maybe, try to get in their face, try to put them under pressure, but only really in the midfield, without really ever managing to do any of those things somehow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Trying to do something and not doing it, it's not not uh great. Um, As for Celtic, it's kind of more the same for them as well, in the sense that this whole season has been marred almost by a, a lack of a creative edge, and a lack of spark and drive going forwards and creating those creating those chances and getting getting stuff towards goal. Um, 
I thought there was there was one or two one or two nice things. We'll come, probably come on to them come on yeah. to them later as well. But certainly, it's just I felt what having watched the game, having watched the first ten minutes of the game, I felt like I'd seen that game four times already last yeah. season. Yeah, and and that's you got to wonder why he keeps persisting. Yeah, because I mean, Alex has, has written about Aberdeen and and especially how. McGuinness's tactics seem to work against lesser teams. Paddy McGuinness, the manager of Aberdeen, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but when it, when it comes to facing Celtic, and also to, to a large degree, Rangers, he's just been found out time after time after time. And it's, it's, it, as Alex says, he kind of insists on doing this kind of really m- extreme man marking thing. So on, and they, they even picked up this on, on, on sports scene in terms of. The um, the deep striker Wilson or, or usually Wilson would sit or or May would sit on Brown and then Shinny would follow Cham and Bell would follow McGregor and even even the the fullbacks were following each one everywhere so so Shay Logan was following Edward all over uh, Considine was following Forrest all over and they were so easy to drag out of shape whereas Celtic has really struggled against teams that just sit back. And try to be deep and, and do it more sonally. So Celtic end up playing around them. It seems so easy for Celtic to find space against Aberdeen. Now it's not easy games because Aberdeen are pretty good and they go man marking. But I think that kind of suits Celtic because all they have to do is be better than their Aberdeen player that's marking them. And nine out of ten times they are. But I thought, yeah, I, I I agree with all that. I thought Celtic had uh, more space to perform, um, more space to to find. As soon as you lose your man, you've got kind of a pitch to run into. I also found though that Aberdeen, um, as poor as they were, which I did think they again just as as Alex was saying, it's quite you know, very old school tactics. I thought they broke pretty well a couple of times. Um, I thought Gary Mackay-Steven looked yeah. really, really quite effective. Yeah. Neil McGinn wasn't as effective as Mackay-Steven, but he still... There was moments, and I'm going to highlight one, and I'm going to bring in <coughs> Louis with this. Craig Gordon made a save at nil-nil that I don't think he's getting enough credit for. Mm. It was a really... When McGinn was through. Well, Mackay-Steven. Kai Steven, um, he made that a tremendous save at 0-0. He also made a save from Wilson, where he gets down to his right-hand side and tips, tips the ball r- around the post. Um, I'm going to bring you in with this one specific point. Um, how good is Gordon? And uh, isn't he better than Bain? I'll tell you how much better Bain is, shall I? I no, you won't. What did you think of the game, the Aberdeen game overall? Um... <sighs> Frustrating. I thought we. I thought we started well. I thought the first ten minutes. I thought passing was a lot. Probably the crisp, most crisp it's been in quite a while. I mean, we seem to be not dwelling on the ball. One touch, two touch passes. Um, exploiting the fact that they were marking us so tight. Um, and I thought we looked. I, I thought we looked quite good in the early part of the game. Then it kind of faded again. Um, Mackay Stephen had his chance, and they they seemed to be getting a wee bit more joy. And I think we looked almost as if, just because we didn't get a goal or make it count, the early kind of dominance that we kind of ended up just regressing into the way we've been recently. Do you think it's a um, a, a, ta- a, a case of push for that 10-15 minutes? Nothing, it doesn't break for you, and therefore you kind of go back into your shell. Confidence is it? Confidence issues again. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I think we were good from the back up on, until we got into the final third. And we get into the final third, and then it just seemed to, we seemed devoid of any idea. Edward really wasn't on it, other than the one time he hit the post. But other than that, he, 
it, it just didn't seem really to be on it and really affecting things. Um, second half, I thought was better. I thought we more or less controlled it and dominated the second half and played played a bit better. Um, but it was just that spell in the middle where I thought, you know, it's just pretty much the same as it's been. It was just boring and looking susceptible on the counter and just. Um, I, I think, and I also think you know the whole tactic with them marking up. I mean, it did allow Jack Henry. Well, yeah, that's literally to, what to, I was about to, to bring to in. run with the ball. But I don't think, from an Aberdeen point of view, that's necessarily a bad idea. Yeah. If he loses the ball higher up the pitch, they've got the men to break on the counter. So it, having shit defenders run <laughs> up the field with the ball <laughs> See, is quite not normal. Let me. No, I think. Hold on. Let me caveat that with. Oh, now he's caveating it because he knows somebody's going to disagree. Can, I can caveat. Okay, sure. you caveat away. I actually thought he was alright. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the thing with Jack Hendry. Um, we've all been critical of him. Um, but you can't be critical of him when he has a bad game and then be similarly say, well, he only had a good game because the defend the, the other opposite team didn't push up on him. That's really not fair. I thought he had a fine game. Um, I thought his use of the ball was fine. I thought he still, to me, looks a little bit like when he starts a run into... I think you highlighted this last season. There are certain times when he'll kind of step up and he'll start moving forward. Christopher Iyer, when he does it, you, he, I think he knows where he's going. Whereas Jack Henry, he, I think... Well, Christopher has read uh, Alexis' article about him, so he kind of knows what he's going to do. In but that, I'd, so. I'd sometimes think Jack Henry will step up and not necessarily know what the end passes, and therefore yeah. he gets a little bit lost. That's that's the thing. But I, I, I think, to give Christian some credit... One thing. Why? <laughs> ah, for once. Fair enough. Throw a dog a bone. Um... I think you you said that early with, with Ayer was the fact that he seems to almost run out of space with the ball once he gets up there and then he makes a kind of terrible pass that kind of ends up losing all momentum for everybody else like not playing the ball into, into players' paths and they all, almost have to stop to receive the ball and I thought Jack Henry done that a couple of times where he seemed to almost run too far and then lay off a kind of ball to the side rather than yeah. playing it into someone's they, path I, I mean, the, the when sorry when I was again the first my first impression when I was when I was watching Jack Henry in that game and it's something I've I've highlighted in games he's played previously is that when you do dribble into midfield like that the consequence of you dribbling into midfield like that is that the other team will get attracted to you so the the immediate spaces around the ball get really really busy and the amount of times that you see Jack Henry do it and he's he's done it he did it one of his first dribbles. On uh, on Saturday, he did it uh, for the goal that Rosenborg scored at Park Celtic Head. Park. Yeah, um, is the one where he dribbles into midfield, and then it's that one where he's he has a wee look around and says, "Actually, I don't really have a plan here." <laughs> and the next yeah. pass is that one that he cuts it back the way to yeah. the guy that's next yeah. to him. Now, there's again, there's other reasons why he has to do that. I mean, for a start, Celtic don't really tend to occupy the areas. Of, Ahead of where the guy's dribbling well, so it's not like Ayer had the same problem last season when he would dribble in, but there weren't really forward passes from him to play. But you see now Ayer's a lot better at when he dribbles yeah. in. He's now looking for a further pass. He's now looking for someone who's further mm. away. You saw it with in this game with uh, there was a chance where uh, Henry dribbled into the left and he passed it across Lee Griffiths. Lee Griffiths does this. We he does that, that movement where he peels off the he peels off the defender to going towards the right hand side when. 
uh, Henry or when Ayer when they dribble in and amount of times I think there was a game against Hibs I think it was last season where Ayer dribbled in he dribbled in and I think he played a through ball mm-hmm. to Lee Griffiths in the box and that's, that's the type of that's the type of pass that you want you want a pass that goes further a pass that goes past that we that area where it gets really busy yeah. where you're dribbling into you yeah. want to pass into the to same area before you get to that point or do you need if you get to that point and you, there's no passing options I was going to say well, is the best option just to try to dribble more or just turn back and try and they, always it depends on the situation well, I mean you're looking for obviously you're trying to find someone's feet with that type of pass you're, yeah. you're trying to dribble in and you're, you're trying to get Lee Griffiths you're trying to get uh, Callum Greg, you're trying to get Odson Edward Um but yes, man. it comes to it does come to a point that if you are dribbling in, ideally you want to have that option where if there's nobody that can get it to feet, you want to have that option where if you've still got room that you can chip it over and you can get someone going in behind. Now that's the other problem that Celtic have is that at the moment there aren't a lot of players actually aren't a lot of players doing that. Scott yeah. Armstrong would have done, uh, Armstrong would have done that. <laughs> yeah. Scott Sinclair, first season Scott Sinclair would have done that. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, there's not a whole lot going on. Ed, Edward I, isn't going to run in behind for you all the time. Should Cal McGregor not be p- fulfilling that role? <sighs> Things Cal, you don't really want Cal McGregor doing that, though, because he's, he's quite dynamic, but he's not the type of strong runner that you really expect to yeah. go, get through. He's the person you'd rather want getting on it, because he can find those wee gaps, and he can find the guy going through, but there just aren't many people doing it. I think that like the last few games, like Celtic's kind of going back to like a four-three-three. Yeah, and with Edward out wide, kind of doing what Sinclair used to yep. do. Um, and neither of them. Well, well, uh, first of all, I think I was to go for, for Jack Henry again because I thought he was good. I thought he. I did. thought he was good as well. It, defensively, he was all right. And as you say, especially with the way Aberdeen set up, there's going to be so much space for that centre back to go into. And I thought he almost had the air of somebody who's didn't expect to get another chance anytime soon but with Benkovic and Ayer going out I feel, I felt he had a little bit more about I know what you mean in terms of when he gets to a certain point he doesn't really know what to do but he seemed a bit more devil may care when he, he just took it and he didn't really hesitate in taking it in and going up and we, we put some stats out earlier today whereas he had something like 28 passes in Aberdeen's half whereas against Kelly he had 10 passes in their half so he's obviously more you know, willing to take that on. But I also think in general, when Celtic play, as you say, like the, they face so many deep defences and trying to get around them. And it's all about kind of creating some sort of overload. So I think that the centre-back, it can be crucial to all the Celtics. I think the Celtic back centre-back needs to step out and he needs to be a ball player and he needs to try those things. Um, obviously, your best one is injured. In, in Christopher Year in Comper. terms of stepping oh. out and doing it <laughs> well maybe Comfort is brilliant at it who knows yeah. um, see I I, I, yeah. I, I, agree, I agree with everything you're, you're saying there I think <laughs> Celtic need to have centre halves that are going to step up and almost create play as much as anything yeah. however getting a guy like Jack Hendry who he might not be a good enough in that position and putting him in there is you know the thing about Jack Hendry is um, maybe he's just not good enough because see that stepping forward and then after you know five or six strides genuinely looking up and not knowing what to do and having to cut it back, that's just going to take us right but, back into a circle. <laughs> but then if I was making those same mistakes and then grew into it and improved, that, that's what's that. to say that Jack Hendry can't? And 
That's fair enough. The, no, that's a fair enough point. <coughs> the question I would say is then what what is the difference in starting points? I mean, Jack Hendry's played fourteen, made fourteen league appearances. Christopher Ayers made sort of twenty five. I think it just said. Um, where are the? What's the difference in levels? Do you think between Jack Hendry's start point and Ayers' start point? Jack Jack team. Henry's older. I know he's older, but I'm just purely talking about where he was when he came in. Ability. All right. Was. Okay. Bear, bear in mind as well. First thing. First things first. The problems that were, no one here is questioning the fact that Jack Henry can dribble. No one here is questioning the fact that Jack Henry can pass or that he has a good touch because we know all this. Yeah. The the promising thing for Celtic is is that the problems that we're looking at, the problems that we're talking about, are things that you can actually. Work on is even even at that age that they are that, yeah. that isn't a thing that you know you can't limited learn by from yeah. exactly. I mean, it's it's a case of if it's a case of decision making, yeah. then the question then becomes okay. How can we improve in decision making? We improve his decision making by making sure that he knows what all his options are, that he sees what all his, all his options are, and that he he sees them early enough so that he can actually make a good decision. And, and then hit Edward. Yeah, always, always. <laughs> so I mean, that's where that's where Christopher Iyer has improved this season, and that he's now taking his time a wee bit more when he dribbles in. You can see that he has a better vision for where the next pass is going. You can see that he's doing that earlier. And so as a result, he's able to make a better decision because he's got more time. See, if you put me if you put me on the pitch and you gave me five seconds without anyone running at me, I could make an okay decision. It's not a case of being like, everyone on the pitch knows where the pass should go, which is a case of recognising it when you've got yeah. some other so guy running decision at the right time. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I, I just... I'll, I'll, I just look at where we are and we look at who's coming back. So Boyata is currently head and shoulders above everyone in terms of um, form right now. Um, Ayer is probably our best prospect. Um, Benkovic is going to come back and he'll be a first team pick because we've got him on loan and it looks like, again, he looks a really exceptional player. If it comes to January and those three guys are there ahead of Jack Hendry, you would then say (laughs) if he sits on the bench between January and the end of the season with Celtic as opposed to playing that's going to massively affect his uh, growth and his development and therefore you would put him out on loan and if you're putting him out on loan at this point I don't see there are very few players come back Geyer is one of them you go out and go out on loan and you come back Celtic have a, a tendency to when they put someone out on loan they rarely come back to but actually. Ayer, Ayer was still eighteen when they put him out on loan. Yeah, I think but Henry's. I think up to if you put, there's yeah. no way we're going to. There's no way we're going to put our fourth choice centre half out on loan. Look no. at the look at the <laughs> look at the injuries we've had this season alone. That's not going to happen. No, no, I, I, I know you're absolutely right. But what I'm saying is, if if they're all fit, he doesn't play, and if he doesn't play, <laughs> his development. Thingies, and you, you don't want. You're not going to. If they're all fit, though, yeah. potentially Ayer doesn't play. He's sitting on the bench. I think we would always go to a back three if Ayer's fit because Ayer Benkovic, Ayer Benkovic, even Boyata. Having said that, I think yes. Although let's look at Aberdeen. You had some interesting stats about um, Lustig. I thought Lustig had a decent game. Well, no, against Aberdeen, he was. The stats don't say that, did it, Christian? Well, the stats says to me they talk to me. Fuck up. And they whisper in my ear and they say, "Lustig." <laughs> the stats can't even save you. It was uh, definitely story. He was um, a lot more involved, a lot higher up against Aberdeen. Higher up, of course. Um, <laughs> there we go. And I think part. How of long this, did it take him to get back on average? I, I, thought, I, I thought he had a good game. I, I'd, you know, I think he listened to the podcast, and I think he came and. He heard that he disappointed me, he and therefore it. he wanted to... Again, I think, coming back to 
Derek McInnes. I think his tactics help here because because of that man marking, as, as Alex talked about before her, and I'm going to steal his line. It's essentially when and Forrest's drops in so much. Considine, it's his job to man mark him, so he just follows him and he creates this big space behind him where, where Lustig could really take advantage of that. So, but I thought he was a lot more higher up and more offensive. He had three great balls. Yeah. Three, th- th- there was three he balls had, into the box that were pinpoint. It's just that we don't have strikers who are attacking the ball. So Lustig had five crosses and Tierney had two, which is, you won't see many games this year where Tierney has Lust- less crosses yeah. than, than, than Lustig. Um, I just wonder if this. I just wonder if the Aberdeen game is kind of isolated, as in no other teams in the in the Premiership, if they kind of sense about them, will man try and man mark Celtic. If that was Hibs, right? So we we are um, we we played St Johnston and we got kind of back on track after the defeat to Kilmarnock. See if that game wasn't St Johnston away. See if that was Hibs away. Also quite man marky. But I just mean in terms of they've got they're more potent in attack and they've got more going forward especially on the wings especially on the wings yeah um, I mean Boyle I think is uh, how he's not going to cap for Scotland side, yeah. Uh, yeah no I, but I mean I, how he's not going to cap for Scotland I don't know but when uh, the fixtures have actually fallen pretty well for us to get our mojo back St Johnston away um, impotent going forward Tony Watts not going to score against us he's, he's a good boy um, and then obviously Aberdeen um, and you know me and uh, Alex were talking about it before that we started this podcast you knew how we talked about it last week we knew how they were going to line up we knew exactly how they were going to play if there was a game almost ironically enough you wanted to play to get your mojo back it would have been Aberdeen because yeah. did we get a mojo back though? We played. We played. Or did the, we just get three points? We played the team that finished some, second. And got some Joe back. That's what I mean. It's it's about it's a small movement. I think there's plenty more Joe to come. To be yeah, honest with you, a bit of Mo. <coughs> Who's Joe? Mojo. Mojo. Oh dear. Uh, but anyway, so with, with it, it was him. I was just. It's not good enough. Um, any other kind of comments or points about the Aberdeen game? You want to just just what you're saying there? I mean, that Aberdeen game is kind of exactly what Celtic would have wanted because, ironically enough, they team the best <laughs> the way that Aberdeen set up lends them exactly to how Celtic play Celtic play with big distances between the midfield okay so when they man mark Celtic then Aberdeen also have big distances in the midfield and they can't really cover much and Celtic have struggled when teams have packed in they've been really compact been really tight been really defended really aggressively near the uh, in their own half or when they've been like uh, the what was the the Rosenborg game yeah. the last one where they were uh, defending really compactly in the middle of the pitch. Okay, Aberdeen don't do it because Celtic don't. Um, so yeah, if there's any, if there's any game that you would kind of bank on Celtic getting a result, it would be it would be against uh, against what, Aberdeen. What team. about that tackle? Yeah, what about the tackle? Excellent point, Louis. Thanks. I'm going to appoint <laughs> you. I'm going UFC. to appoint you assistant to the podcast host. Um, the right hand man. I thought it was a. I thought it was a. I thought it was a foul. I don't know if the initial contact comes in the I box mean, it's, or not. It, it's it's one of those where he kind of McKenna, he, he calls over and he. I guess he wants to clear the ball. He's on the ball first, and then but then he does this thing. Whereas you can, if you clear the ball, okay, you, you can expect a little bit of you know clattering into him. But his his left leg, which is his, supposed to be his standing leg when he clears a ball, was like Edward's midriff yeah. and his back. And he's just—he's obviously just going. Okay, I'm going to get the ball first, but then I'm just going to go through and put both my legs up. And how? Hamilton doesn't see the issue is though. See with anything like this, see if you cut it down into pictures, slowed down pictures, it does actually look a lot worse 
but you don't have that rotation if you have any sort of control of what you're doing. You just don't. It was a foul, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it's a penalty, but it's certainly debatable whether it's a penalty or a free kick, but it's definitely a foul. Do, do, what do you think, Alex? Foul. 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 You wouldn't be happy with that on the five-a-side pitch now, would you? And that's how we rate these things. Depends who's done it. Oh. And on whom? Just, I, I don't know, I was thinking a big kill. <laughs> yeah, well, he's the foul meister general, of course, on the five-a-side pitch. Right. Um, but with, with the... Um, with the Aberdeen game, we got our mojo back. Yeah. Uh, Scotty Sinclair scoring a, a genuinely terrific goal. I thought um, completely bamboozling everyone with that back heel. Um, if bloody Messi had done it, it would have been all over, it would, you know all what, over the news. It would have been the bloody uh, FIFA goal. Aye. It would be the FIFA goal. The, the Puskas award. I think we're, we're probably going to go on to this, but Edward, if Edward is, is fit on Thursday, which we think he will be, do you uh, go with Sinclair and Edward over Griffiths? I'll come to that in a we'll second. Come to that. Swallow that doesn't simmer. make a summer. Let that simmer a bit. Um, let me ask you this. I'm going to ask, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this player enough. I think it's quite an interesting one. Brian Hamill, if we sign Stephen O'Donnell from Kilmarnock to end the farce that Michael Lustig at right back has become, would he shine like a Stuart Armstrong or bottom out like a Scott Allen? It's quite an interesting, that's Brian Hamill. Um... I've seen Stephen O'Donnell, uh, um, I'll be honest, I've seen him maybe 10 times, and three of those was when he was playing for Scotland. Um, I would say that you, uh, Alex is writing down too old. <laughs> he's like 26. Nah, he's too old for Celtic. Man. <laughs> what? At 26? You're not, you're, not buying a, you're not buying a 26-year-old, are you? Is that too old? Yeah. I think he's good. I like him. Um, I don't know if he'd be good enough for us. As I say, I've only seen him a handful of times. So you, you, you don't think he's good enough? No, like, I think he's he's fine. But oh, we don't want fine. It's fine. No, he's fine. No, I, I've like he, he, he's done really well for Kilmarnock, and I think that he's there aren't many right backs, aren't many Scottish right backs that are much better than him. So, so I think that in terms of inclusion for Scotland squad and stuff like that, it's great. But I don't we think should if, be looking higher. Yeah, I don't think it's Celtic. Are, of Champions League ambition Stephen O'Donnell is a Champions League has Christian Gamboa played for any other team than Celtic in, in the Premiership would he be the best right back outside of Celtic we don't know because we genuinely haven't seen him consistently enough yeah I mean the thing about Gam- Gamboa is one of, like Gamboa is one of those guys who's better when he's not playing and then when he is playing you're kind of like oh oh your position in there oh you can't defend oh stop the ball Lustig gets a lot of criticism for letting balls go across get balls get in now which this season he's been criminal for every time Gamboa plays he, he, the guy just can't defend is he is he a better right winger maybe but we don't need a right winger we need a right back well that's what they say Christopher that's what they say um, I've got um, I, the only other right back I would say is Chrissy Cadden at Motherwell because oh, yeah. I've got a 10 years linked to him. How do you have a 10 years linked to him? My boss's son is best pals with him. And oh, right. they grew up together. I like Chris Gann's a good so player. So you could get tickets. And his yeah. brother, Nicky, plays for Livingston. And was on the bench. Yeah, that's right. I know his Um Yeah, I think they were both at the same school as Keon Tierney, etc. Et uh, Chris Gann's a good player, but I think, back to Alex's point, if we want... Then again, you know... Can you know Chris Can's only twenty one? Has he got it in them to develop? He plays really well for the Scotland under twenty ones. I don't know. In terms of we, we talked about this last week in depth about our transfer strategy and. Do you know what we should do? Here we go. Go to Portugal and get a quality right back. 
just Portugal, course. Just random. Just pick a country and just go there. Just yeah. get an EasyJet flight. Just yeah. Go. Yep. The, the, the two aren't related. You go to Portugal and you pick a quality right back. It doesn't have to be Portuguese. Just go to Portugal. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I've, I've bring, narrowed down the market. Bring Ryan Golder back as well. Just bring him back. He's got a headband now. He's the Mark Perfect. McNally for the, a new generation. See if he just wears his socks like halfway down the shin guards. Oh, like, Ollie, socks. like Ollie McBurnley. And uh, Jack Grealish. He does it. Oh, oh, come on. Idiots, am I right, Alex? No. Um, I like the look, though. I like a low sock. I, I, I probably would. Um, well, that's weird, but fair enough. Listen, no, I'm not saying I would, Jack Grealish. I'm saying if I was a footballer, I'd wear my socks at all. And the only reason I'm saying it's weird is because you're married. <laughs> so, to my, to my cousin. Anyway, um, <laughs> to be fair, some of the conversations we've had off air. That, that is true. Uh, so, Celtic are playing uh, back Europa League action, Salzburg. Um I can't say I know much about them. I believe we have someone who maybe know a little bit about them. Can you tell us, fill us in, let us know where they are, Christian? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> well, it's because, you know, we brought Alex here because, well, he's handsome and he knows a lot of stuff. But he also knows um, Salzburg quite well. So can we maybe start at the beginning with your website? Not your website, but their website, the Tactical Hipster website, that's there. called... Spielflagrung. And I was hoping you'd. I was hoping you'd say it. Well, maybe spill later. flagging, spill flagging. Um, <laughs> but essentially, René Marek, who's now the assistant coach at assistant manager at Salzburg, he essentially started the website. Yeah, he's one of the founders of it. Uh-huh. And I mean, so obviously, I mean, when Alex puts, especially when he writes for uh, that website, <laughs> and and he puts something out, Damn. especially when he writes about Celtic, you do get quite of uh, quite a reaction on the on the Twitter. Sometimes about the style of which you play, uh, writing about football, all these fancy words and terms that that you use because you think you're better than us, and you and you, and you know things. And and since you're a nice guy, you do, you don't really get involved in those kind of Twitter fights because then you you leave it up to me. But in terms of in terms of the kind of the site they are, they are kind of like the site for tactical writing in terms of uh, at least a specific genre of it. Well, certainly, the the German version is uh, very well, very well established. Not just in, in sort of niche and tactical corners, um, but in the fairly in the mainstream media as well. So the one of the head editors, he's on, he's on TV and and whatnot. They do work with with TV companies and stuff like that as well, doing the wee tidbits of analysis that you see at half time and at full yeah. time that the the guests will will read out. That's done by done by guys and who write the do you think there. that just because like as a football culture Germany the Netherlands uh, you know Austria Switzerland they're just more willing to, to look at that tactical side of it the, the theoretical side rather than in the UK I think well certainly the I don't know whether it's a, a disposition of the culture itself or whether it was just the timing at which it came along, but this, the website's been about since 2011, so yeah. it's, fa- it's very well established in terms of time, um, and it's had a lot of very sort of well-known and well-regarded exponents. So guys like Oliver Kahn, is, yeah. uh, he frequents um, the site per se, and lots of professional coaches as well have, have spoken about it. So when you have that sort of exposure in the media as well, in the mainstream media, then I think a lot of people become a lot more open to it. Um, whether or not German people are more likely to enjoy tactical analysis in Scottish people is probably too, <laughs> too uh, broad a statement to make. But yeah. Why do you think... 
you kind of put so many people's noises at a joint because of the way it's written and people say you use all these fancy words but you, you don't need to and 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 all kind of you, you kind of making it more academic and more theoretical than it actually is you're overcomplicating it i mean i think a lot of it is to do with exposure there aren't many other people there's a handful of folk who are doing really good work uh, covering the Scottish game and looking at the tactical aspects um, I think that the tactical if you, if you watch the if you watch a lot of the Scottish Premiership not so much now um, but certainly a few years ago then it's difficult to watch games from five ten years ago and think and come to any conclusion rather than that tactics wasn't really a huge part of it yeah. and it was rather down to other things so again there's that there's maybe that culture um certainly it's like the fucking failed uh christian spin-off coming soon done it for two coming weeks. soon no I'm, I'm getting to it because one we'll go make a cup of tea what i want to get to is the person who started this website it's called Spielflagrung. Spielflagrung. Um So Renemark is probably like the main guy behind that. And he obviously was, I think he's just basically just a guy writing bl- tactic blogs. But can you tell about his story and how he ended up in Salzburg? So he, a lot of people have this sort of impression that he was one of the guys that just locked himself in a basement and just wrote all day. Like um, of Naturally. Um, Rennie was actually a a really promising footballer himself, but he he suffered a lot of injuries when he was when he was younger. Um, Aye, they all do. He, uh, <coughs> he does really think we're going to get pumped. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he was coaching with a with a local amateur team. Um, he did that for for a number of years, and then he he got in he was got in touch with he's worked with Thomas Tuchel and the likes uh, likes of them he's done work with other professional coaches as well um, then Marco Rosa the guy who was at the time he was Salzburg's under 18s or under 16s coach at the time I can't remember which but they they started talking um, and then yeah I think as Rennie put it he Rennie asked him one day yeah do you want to can I come and work with you and yeah. Marco said yeah sure so they spent a year at the under 18s. They took the UEFA Youth League team as well. So the t- that tournament that goes alongside the Champions League. They got to the final, didn't they? They won it. Oh, did they win it? Yeah, yeah they won it. They so for it. a team like Salzburg, that's that's big a deals, big deal. Yeah. They beat Barcelona in the final. They put out Manchester City and beat PSG five oh, nil. Yeah. Beat Atletico Madrid in the semi final. So I mean, it's not like they played. Yeah, like you know, Shana, they did the Shana draw. Yeah, yeah. Huh. It like? But but it's just like such an unusual way to get into football management. Essentially, you start writing tactics in a blog. And then through the work you do there, you end up as assistant manager of, of, of Salzburg. I think that's something that we'll see a lot more of, if nothing else, just because I think in terms of timing, if that was a right time, the right thing at the right time. Yeah. Because the, the internet blogs in general were kind of just <laughs> kicking off at that time. Twitter was really kicking off. So there's that's a huge platform there. Facebook was kicking off. You can get a lot of guys, a lot of readers in through that. Um, so essentially, the guy who's the assistant manager of Salzburg basically forged his own way into um, his position by doing the grassroots kind of background tactical stuff. Yeah. That's really, that is really interesting. Yeah. Do you think we're going to beat them? <laughs> Very difficult. How, how, how do, do they play? Can I just say, I've been doing this show for a number of years now and I've not had one single job offer off the back of it. If anybody would like to offer me a job, I'd be more than willing to listen. Uh, how, how do you, uh, with, obviously we've got this, this is our... 
Hardest, second hardest, what would Leipzig be harder? I would, I would consider Salzburg to be a harder test than Leipzig. So Salzburg would be looking to win the league, uh, win the, the group. Yeah, and th- therefore going away from home, obviously that's their hardest game. Mm-hmm. How do they play? Uh, so their style is well, the Red Bull style in general. So this, I assume this applies for Leipzig as well. Do they have like a, a brand style? It's, that's it's, fucking no fair. The, that's a lot of rubbish. It's probably one of the things that sets them apart as a group upsets them apart from from all the other guys now I don't know how Manchester City's football group operates in terms of if, if they have a if they have a, a city football style that goes through Melbourne like New, and New York and, and New York that. and that type of thing I think slightly but I'm not I'm, I'd be surprised if it was as well laid out and as rigorous as Red Bulls Red Bulls style goes all the way back to the 1980s with works of Helmut Gross and Ralph Ranick so it's it revolves around Pressing, be a really aggressive oh, pressing. Sake. So, I mean, <laughs> Celtic are aren't strangers to Red Bull Salzburg. Obviously, they played each other yeah. um, a few years ago. That was the season after no. Roger Schmidt went to Leverkusen. I think that was. I when just remember the season that Dela came. So. Yeah, so I, th- I think that was under Eddie Hooter. Yeah, who is now the manager of Frankfurt. Um, but Roger Schmidt was kind of the guy who brought Salzburg to prominence. He. They played Bayern Munich in a pre-season friend, in a mid-season friendly in January against a full Bayern, full Bayern Munich team who were ready to then kick on the second start, of their, the second half of their season, and Salzburg turned them over three 0 um, So that kind of put them on the planet, put them, put them on a the map a bit. They walked away with the league for a few years in a row. Um, but yeah, their style under Marco Rosa is they continue this really aggressive pressing, oh. but in addition, their positional play, their possession play is very good and very flexible as well um, so in terms of getting at getting at Salzburg it's going to be incredibly difficult because their possession play is very very good I bet if they came up against Lee Griffiths in his pomp am I right my man I've heard a story that actually okay. Salzburg are pish <laughs> and yeah, we're going to end the pressing that. game is actually awful Aye. you can believe what one what version eventually <laughs> there, there, there are plenty this is very good I like this quite a bit to be fair it's getting parody, parody. Um, but no I mean Obviously, you, from a tactical side, you obviously know more than us, but how are you, Louis, feeling about it going into this game? <laughs> <Spons> <laughs> before I give in here. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I don't really I don't really expect much. And I, I, when the draw came out, um, I didn't think it was a particularly exciting draw as a group overall, and I didn't really like the chances of getting through in it because of the, the two Red Bull teams. So... Um, it has the potential I think see getting skilled in the Champions League off of one of the, the, the very technical term there Europe, Europe's top top clubs in terms of popularity and everything that's one thing but see getting skilled in the Europa League because there will be a lot of people that won't know the background yeah. and they won't understand where they're at and, and will probably never obviously have even watched Salzburg if they turn us over and really embarrasses which, let's face it, there's the potential that could happen. I think it's going to create one hell of a shitstorm. Yeah, I think that um, obviously it was mentioned, Brendan Rodgers mentioned it in one of his most recent press conferences um, about the possibility they might change his tactics going into this game. Um, I can't see it myself. I don't know how. If we go uber defensive, we don't have the defence, the capabilities to really. You know, take that Geigen press. Is that it was called? And Celtic's not really used to be defensive. Celtic's not really used to be defensive. They're not really good at it either. Uh, well, yeah. as well. Do, do you see? 
for Alex, in terms of, I think one of the things that always comes up with Celtic in Europe is, is Lee Griffiths, if you should play him or not. And well, this leads into the, your question, yeah. In, in terms of the, the criticism, well, Rogers kind of talked about it after the, the Rosenborg game, I think, about what he expects a modern number nine to do. I mean, Alex, from your point of view, would you... Is, what's the issue with Griffiths in Europe if you're on uh, meeting a better team that's maybe a bit more high-pressing? And, and is it because he doesn't hold the ball up well enough? Or why do you think the criticism against Lee Griffiths coming for European games? I think that... I think that for a while, Lee Griffiths was slated a wee bit for his hold-up play. I think it's better than people give him credit for. But I also don't think it's that great. Delightful, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, it's cer- well, certainly not. It's not Champions League, Europa League level. It's fine, um, but in terms of What's your favourite word, is fine. In terms of how he's ready to play with other teammates and the movements he makes for other teammates and his body position all type of stuff, it's not. It's not great. Um, for example, Edward is far better at that. Um, but that's one of Edward's great, really good strengths. Is that if you put him around players, he'll he will. Hold the ball. Yeah, he will. Yeah, he'll maybe not hold it up. He's not the yeah, type of player. Yeah, but just like, hold on to it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, he'll bring up, he'll bring other guys into play. Certainly better than Lee, Lee Griffiths does. Griffiths likes to, like we spoke about earlier, likes to run away, mm-hmm. um, which is good for other things. You know, it means that he's at least running in behind, and that's how he's able to get those wee chances where he gets in behind the defence and has a wee snapshot. That those type of things. Um, but with without the ball as well, I think that's. A th- from what I understood of uh, Brendan Rodgers' comments, that was something that came up as well, is in terms of his responsibility when his team doesn't have the ball. Um, I don't think he's as active a presser as Edward, as Edward was, as Dembele was. When Dembele was, was up for it, Dembele was very good at it. He's un- he was unplayable in Scotland, and he was very good level in, in Europe. Can I ask a question of everyone here? Um, do you think Lee Griffiths has become less clinical in front of goal? Because, see, maybe two or three years ago, I think uh, one-on-one chances, he would, you know, nine times out of ten, he'd at least hit the target. I That St. Johnson game, and even the game against Aberdeen, <coughs> it was, <coughs> the St. Johnson game, he was one-on-one on, one on one twice, and he, he blew it. And the Aberdeen game, he was one-on-one on one twice. And I just feel that, like... See, you you always think about guys like Robbie Fowler and stuff like that who were never the best movers, but they were always in that position. It's like John Aldridge used to say when they was asked how how do you score so many goals? He's like, I go to the place where the defender isn't. Griffiths is good at that. He's good at finding the space, but in front of goal, he's lost that clinical sharp edge. I think, and yeah, that might then, come back. But then, how many how many games has he played consistently in a run? Well, he's played five I, consistently. I know he scored three goals. But if, but if, if you, I think if you play if if you play Lee Griffiths in, in a league campaign, number one striker playing, you know, twenty five games, he'll score you more goals than that I, I think, over the course of the season. Yeah. I still think he's. I I, I don't think he he will lose that kind of clinical edge of his. I think he has. I think, <coughs> I I think, think he, he might get well, it back. I think, I think he's lost it due to a lack of game time. I don't think it's a lack of ability. It's also a small it, sample though as well. Yeah, well, yeah. I, th- I think the the common uh, one of the most common misconceptions in football is that. Strikers who score a lot are more clinical than other strikers. Whereas if you look at, you know, bigger sets of numbers, essentially the reason why some strikers score a lot more than others is because they, because they get to more chances. Yeah. They don't really actually score on a higher percent of all the shots of the they chance. take. Yeah, yeah. They just get to a lot of shots. And I think that's what you always see with Lee Griffiths is he's always up there in terms of 
the most chances in the league, the highest quality chances in the league, and he scores a lot of goals because he gets to a lot of chances. That was does, does, does that it do that on on to the Collins. detriment of the rest of the team? How weird that actually sounds. Does he, you know, is that ability to get to chances creates, you know, is, is that create a disruption in the rest of the team in terms of because he doesn't do the other things? Yeah, could could, could be they done. be making more better chances? And it, 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 there's always this dilemma with Celtic, whereas Lee Griffiths in the in, in the Premiership, it's absolutely fine. <laughs> fine, he's really good. I mean, he's probably the best striker. Um, Maybe behind Edward, I think in the Premiership and the way he's Celtic plays, he's a best plays. proven striker. Absolutely, and but when it comes to Europe, does that skill set, <coughs> while really really good in the in Scotland, just not translate well enough? Well, it didn't. To for, it didn't for Armstrong either. No. Stuart Armstrong was an, an absolute diamond in Scotland. He scored, you know, twenty goals that season. He was he was brilliant in Europe. He looked like it was a level too much for him. Mm. That's what you back to your point about um, Stephen O'Donnell. Would he be good in Scotland? He'd be fine. Yeah. Would he be able to step up? No. The big question is: Are we going to, in a position where we can get guys that are going to step up? We can find diamonds in the rough like Dembele. We can find in Cham. Even in Cham has, I mean, he's, there's no doubt in his qualities, but he still has struggled at points. So it's not an instant thing. Yeah. Um, we really are in a fucking limbo, and it's, it's uh, and the fact that Red, we're in a group with Red Bull, two Red Bull teams. I don't know how that's allowed. It's also a point where this is the best team Celtic will have faced the whole season. At, at the, you know, on, on the first day, so yeah. it would be a really good. Yardstick in terms of when it comes to it, when they meet somebody really, really good, you know, do, do they step up or, or are they in a, are just still in, in, in the kind of melee? Okay, two, two, co- two comments. I want to go to Lou with this one. Um, is Salzburg the game Brendan Rogers finally changes tactics away from home in Europe? This is from Lee McLaughlin. I fear for us, even at this level, if we try to play the same way we did in Paris. We don't know what Brendan Rogers is going to do at this point. Um, it seems unlikely that he's going to change his style, as mentioned before, with maybe defending not being our best point, so you know you build on what you have. Um, going into this game, this also links into uh, Frankie's question. You should follow Frankie. Um, she does some amazing... Um, uh, art um, regarding Celtic and Syria. Um, she did stuff for the cynical as well. Realistically, what should be our aim slash what should we expect to achieve in this Europa League group overall having now got a home win under our belts? So we've got three points on the belt under, under our belts. Yep. We've got a belt. We've got a belt. Going into this game, Louis, um, how do you set up? What would your team be? Would you would you play with three at the back or would you go four or uh, four or would you go with five? Um did you say we were away from home? Yeah. Right. Yeah. For some reason I thought we were at home. Um, <coughs> I think we'd probably go... <coughs> probably go five. I, I don't know. I, see, for me, I would like to see Celtic... I, I'd like to see Brendan Rodgers be a bit more... Um, not necessarily pragmatic, but a bit more flexible. I'd like to see more from him. I want to, I want to see... You know the ability to change tactics. I think he spoke about it before, but I think we pretty much just play the same way no matter who we play, and there's not a great deal of variation in it in terms of an overall strategy and plan for the game. Not necessarily, you know, formation, but in the way we're actually going to play the game. And I'd like to see a bit of a difference. I'd like to see us try and be more of a counter-attacking team in these sorts of games. Trying our best to be a, a bit more contained. 
soak up a bit of pressure but have a threat on the counter the way that we don't do when we're domestically because we don't have to and we've got the ball I'd just like to see a bit more flexibility in that with, with that regard it doesn't have to be I take you know ev- every man behind the ball pragmatic that way surely there can be a bit of a balance I just don't want to get whipped Alex talk us through that do you think there there is a balance to be found or do you have a strategy and you just work through that with the players you have? I think that on the one hand it makes sense that if you've worked on if you've primarily worked on one strategy for two and a half years now then that's probably going to be your your best strategy and it's going to be the one that you're best at. Um, plan A. It's, yeah, plan A. You could say even it's plan a. if plan A is what you've been working on then plan A is probably going to be better than plan B um, but I think that there have been points where Celtic have slightly changed their style maybe not so much the I think the broader style will always remain there I think it'll be I think that you will there will be some things we will always see but there'll be slighter will be small smaller adjustments so I think against uh, uh, Hearts away last season it's the 3-1 game the one in the after the split, I think that Celtic were a lot more direct in finding. I think Encham played a lot closer to uh, Dembele. I think Dembele and Edward both started up front that day, and Encham started a lot closer. They were that. excellent in that game. Yeah, I think really, I think really that really they good. were a lot. Di- I think from what I remember, they were a lot more direct in finding those guys. Yeah. So like that's not a huge change in style, um, but it's just a wee it's just a wee wrinkle that you add in. The problem for <laughs> for Celtic then is is that guess who guess who else is really flexible. Salzburg. Salzburg. They're in, incredibly flexible. And that you almost, you can, I don't know what Brendan Rodgers is going to do, but guess who's going to figure out st- almost straight away and who's going to counter it and going to counter it well. It's Alex's pal. So, are, are, we, are we hindered by Rodgers? Uh, like in, in terms of, if we were to say, now I'm, I'm talking in the realms of fantasy here, right? But say we were to bring in. The Red Bull Salzburg manager. Right, not even the Red Bull Salzburg. I wasn't even going to go there, right? Because I don't even know who that guy is. But, um, <laughs> say we to bring in Jurgen Klopp or Sari or, you know, one of the even higher rung managers and even Brendan Rodgers. Would they do what Rodgers is going to do if they had the Celtic team going into this game? Or would they have a different, a, a different way of playing? Do you know what I mean? Like, are we hindered by Rogers' own lack of a plan B or a plan C? Or a I plan think a if Rogers had in his vision, if Rogers had, uh, you know, if he had a, an amazing high end team and he played his way, then they would not be an amazing. Not, but my point is, if you've got this system and you've got players like Jack Hendry and you've got players like, with absolutely no disrespect, James Forrest and Callum McGregor, who are really, really great players. <laughs> But if you put you them, you if you put them <laughs> against PSG away, or you put them against Barcelona away, but they're going to be steamrolled. But do you, but do you think Jurgen Klopp, if he had that group of players, do you think he would play the the same way all the time, be or would he be? No, I, I think I hate using the word pragmatic because people, I think, automatically think you just can't the find the ball. Like this player yeah. was doing last week. Yeah, <laughs> but rather that, but. Instead of just playing the way we always play with the same group of players, would someone at a higher level go, no, we're going to do this? And therefore, we are kind of limited by the fact that Rodgers doesn't really have a different way of playing. What do you think, guys? 
Do you come in and you look at the squad and you think this squad would work with this system or would you kind of say this squad is going to work this system? Do you work the squad or do you work the players? I think you work the players for me. I don't think, as Alex has hinted towards, you need to do maybe some tweaks. But I think if it's something you work on 90% of the time, I don't think switching to something quite different just because you go away in Europe it's going to get you a better result because even if you switch something and you think it's well, it's lower risk. So you, we're going to get you, tanked you, every every time. I, essentially, I, I, I think you stick to your style as much as possible, and you keep. And that's going to that's going to mean getting get, tanked, get, tanked yeah. in Europe. I, and I'm not being a dick. I'm just genuinely. Well, we'll, we'll see. At some point, obviously, there has to be improvement. See, improvement. Yes. One 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 guy who made a comment about this, and I know. I don't want everybody to turn off when I say this, but Steven Gerrard done it when Rangers were in the qualifying stages for the Europa yeah. League. And he made a point of when we're away from home, we can't play like we we do at home. We can't play the way. That's we, why they've not won we, an away game. We, <laughs> we, we, we have to change it. So when they're going to Villarreal or, or whatever, they're not. They, he seemed right away to be like, no, we have to change it. We have to play different away from home. Whereas Rogers has always been, oh no, that's the way we play. We're going to stick to it. I just, feel, I, I just feel like, to a certain extent, we're being hindered by Rogers and his own stubbornness or lack of. When, when I play, fo- when I play championship manager or football manager, I have a tactic for home and a tactic for away. <laughs> and um, I've won the Europe UEFA Cup with Middlesbrough, so. See if you just put those tactics into a blog, friend, you would have been a manager. Boom. Yeah. Um, we're, we're wrapping up at this point. Um, our time has <coughs> been against us. Uh, just one question. Uh, what would your midfield be, Christian, I'm going to ask you? <laughs> um, Brown, Acham, McGregor. I think the question for me is, who do you go with out of Edward Griffiths and Sinclair? Two of them. Um I would. We know what you're going to do. You're gonna I, go I, I'm going to go Edward on top and Sinclair at left. That's what I would do. And I would have Lee Griffiths come on after 70, 75 minutes. You think Sinclair actually did a lot on Saturday? Because I don't think he did. I think I he scored a goal, but I don't think he did that much. But what happens? I mean, I think Griffiths and Edward has worked quite well in that four-three-three against St Johnston and, and some of the part against Aberdeen. So I think. That has, you know, four, three, I think it's promising. I don't think Whatever you'll do 4-3-3. Three, three. I, I think you'll go 4-3-3. 4-3-3. Three, three. Yeah. Three, three. So, uh, Edouard, through them, Edouard. 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 Oh, I'm start at the back, surely. I start at the back. Uh, the back's a given, though. Yeah. Lustig, well, it de- depending on if Benkovic is fit. Or depending on who's fit, because right. if Benkovic is fit and you get Benkovic and Boyata, you go Benkovic, Boyata. You obviously go KT. Lustig. Can we not play Gamboa because he's not, we don't need to pay a fee if he plays one more game? Or <laughs> I'm sure. That's why he doesn't play the league games. Uh, I, I, I would play Lustig. I'd go where you're tried and tested with this one. Um, I would be tempted to. I'd be tempted to play Malumbu. Uh, Malumbu and Cham and Brown. Uh, Malumbu and, Ch- Malum- and Brown sitting in and Cham are giving him a sort of free roll just King. behind the, in the tent space. Boom! It's me. You've taught me so much. Would, would, would you put? Have you put McGregor or Edward or Sinclair out on the left? Um, I would probably put McGregor, hmm? and I would put Forrest on the right, and I'd put Edward up front. 
I think if Rogers is talking about changing his tactics, I think that might be the most likely tweak he does. I think Malumbu, I, I like Malumbu's energy. I, he get, even though we, we lost to Kelly, I actually thought he had a decent game and he got about the pitch a bit, a bit and he actually kind of... I think he could deal with the press the way that maybe others wouldn't and that gives Frees up and Cham to be creative and not have to be chained back. Thoughts, Louis, on that? Things are crock of shit. Crock of shit, do you? Yep. Who would you have instead? Thomas. Right, no, I played um, Gamboa right back. <laughs> Gamboa right back. Fuck it. Bane and goals. Um, in hell. And then a midfield three. Like that. He's doing a finger thing. Finger thing usually means the taxes, but. <laughs> the claw. It's the, the claw. claw. The doing. claw in midfield of Brown and Cham. Tam. And um, since we're going full free free. And then. Um, We've got Big Eddie up front, Forrest on the right, and Lewis Morgan on the left. <laughs> <laughs> What's your thoughts? Just Sincl- rap- Sinclair, lovely back heel, but he's, the boy's not going to go to Lo- it. He's just not going to He's not going to go for Lovely walk, but uh, that's about it. Um, Brown, Cham, McGregor, Sinclair, Edward and Forrest. Prediction? 2-0, Salzburg. Uh, Christian, prediction? 1-0 Nice yeah. Ludog prediction 8-0 <laughs> A good 5-0 roasting No actual prediction Can it be 5-0 Okay 4-0 <laughs> uh, My prediction will be a 2 each draw again Just like before You think we're going to go there and get a draw? I think we're. We, it's eventually got to break uh, And I think that luck will be on our side As God and the heavens open And uh, stuff Alex Lawrence, it's been a pleasure as always, sir. It's been a pleasure being on. Thank you very much. Christian Wolf, you're looking handsome. I try. Louis, good luck with your UFC undercard appearance, I assume. What do you mean undercard? How dare you? Main event right here. I'm Chris Gallagher. We're the 90 Minute Cynic and we'll speak to you down the road. <laughs>